Hello. On this episode of the Non-Traditional Physician Assistant Podcast, I'm going to be talking about reapplying to PA schools and how to make yourself an even better applicant the next time around. You are listening to the Non-Traditional Physician Assistant Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. So as I mentioned, I'm going to be talking about the reapplicant process and how to make yourself a better uh, reapplicant and do your best the next time around if you don't get in the first time. So just as a disclaimer, I had interviews with all the schools that I applied to last cycle. However, after the interview process, I was accepted to all but one, and that one was my top choice and the most difficult to get into as well. I really felt strongly about that program after going through the interview process, so I wanted to reapply. There's a few things that I would recommend that you do in order to make yourself a better applicant as a reapplicant. First of all, I was able to follow up with the program and get some feedback from them about my application and the areas I needed to improve on and grow in from their perspective. Not all programs will offer this, but I always recommend reaching out to programs. Uh, In this case, they actually were very forward about it and said that you can schedule a call with one of their admissions advisors and that they would walk us through our application and kind of give us some insight on what we could be doing to improve. But not all schools do that. I would say probably a lot of schools don't. And so it's it takes a little bit of tenacity uh, to reach out and ask, but go ahead and do that. You can try calling as well. And some schools just absolutely will not give you any response. You can try one or two times and if they say no, then it's a no. But the feedback, if they do give it, can be invaluable. So first of all, of course, you want to ask why you weren't accepted, what areas you can improve in. Sometimes the schools, they might say they'll go over things with you, they'll go over your application, but then in the end, the reason you don't get in, they might just give you something not so satisfying, which is just that you aren't as strong an applicant as others. In that case, you'll probably have to go it alone a little bit more and and really take a tough look at your own application and figure things out from there. But in my case, they were able to give that feedback. And so just as a disclaimer, anything that you hear feedback wise, anything they say you can improve on, you want to make sure that you are taking steps to improve that. Because if they tell you, oh, your GRE score was a little bit low, Your GPA also was low, so we recommend you retake some science courses or take some more science courses. And then you reapply the next year and you haven't done any of that. They will probably have a record of what was advised and or that you met or talked with an advisor. Uh, And so it, it will reflect negatively on you if you aren't able to improve in those areas at all and you don't take their advice to heart. So know that if you are serious Whatever you hear from them, you are going to have to do your best to improve in those areas. Even, you know, it might cost money to take extra classes. It will cost money and time to prep 
for the GRE again and to take the test. Uh, but yeah, just to be prepared for that. For me personally, I was uh, told that the the interview was was fine. I did just as well as the other applicants, but I I actually was able to go through different areas that they score on. So I found out in my case, it wasn't that I was a poor interviewer or I should say interviewee, uh, but I found out it was other issues. So a lot of times people will tell you if you get an interview or you get multiple interviews, I should say, and you don't get accepted to those programs, your interviewing skills probably need some work. And I think that is probably true if, like I said, you have multiple interviews, but you're not getting any acceptances. So for me, they told me I had a little bit low volunteer hours. They only counted volunteer hours for the past two years. I had a lot of volunteer experiences from when I was in undergrad, but that was a long time ago. So of course I got to put those on my CASPA application, but they weren't actually counted uh, in the scoring for that program. I also found out that my PCE patient care experience was about average for their scoring, but they in, in, encouraged me to take on a role with uh, some more responsibility and greater authority as well to improve that. I also I also learned that they didn't look past the required hours. I think they only required 500 hours of patient care experience. So that really also benefits younger applicants who maybe didn't have much time to work in undergrad and are applying right out of undergrad. Not not a point in my favor necessarily, but I also knew that I could improve on uh, my patient care experience, the quality of that as well. They also recommended that I improve my personal statement because I, I think the, the scoring was out of 10 and I got a four on my personal statement. And I've always thought of myself as a pretty good writer overall, but I will, I'll be honest with you, writing the personal statement was really hard for me. I spend, I spend months trying to rewrite it and rework it. And in the end, I think what I submitted, I was just so done with working on it. It didn't flow as well as it could have or should have. And I think there were elements that were missing that I just, you know, I didn't necessarily get that feedback the first time around. I did use a PA statement revision service uh, both last year and this year, and I think it was about $100. Uh, ultimately, I think the feedback I got last year was a lot more helpful, but I, th I still had so much work to do on my essay at that point that it, it didn't end up being as useful as it could have been. And then this year I did it again and I ended up doing it too early again and ended up changing up my essay a lot after that. So it, for me, it wasn't really useful to do the revision services because unless I had wanted to pay $300 to get the three revisions or 200 to get the three revisions, which I wasn't willing to do, that would have been the only way it would have been helpful. So if you, uh, if you have the money to do that, I highly recommend that. But if you're just going to do one revision, I would really, really try to wait until you really feel like you have a good, a good essay and that you're not going to rework it a whole bunch more, but it's hard. I'm old. <laughs> 
I feel like you can always keep improving your essays, so knowing when to stop is is difficult. Some people would say if you get interviews, then you don't need to rework your personal statement too much. I actually just completely scrapped it and started fresh. And the reasons for me becoming a PA were many, and I didn't even talk about the same things in the second essay as I did in the first. It's not to say that my reasons completely changed, it's just that I felt like I wanted to go a different direction uh, that time around. And like I said, with all the experiences I've had, there's just so many things that have influenced my decision to become a physician assistant. And I think that's okay. I was a little worried that they would see last year's essay and compare it to this year's essay and think like, does she really know why she's becoming a PA? But they didn't. And I don't know ultimately what my score was this year, but I think it was an improvement anyway, at least in terms of flow and examining more about YPA and making it specific to that career path and not not that I could have written the same essay for becoming a for getting into med school or something like that. I also know personally that there's usually an essay at the interview and I know that I got zero points on that essay and the reason was that I was still editing it editing it at the last moment and it was a virtual interview. And so it just automatically would submit. And I didn't, I guess I did technically did not finish my essay. And so I guess they gave me zero points for that reason. So that was a lot of points that I lost just from that essay alone. And then, um, and my personal statement as well. So I wanted to fix all those areas. Um, just when you are looking at reapplying, there's a few few steps you could take and a few things you should do. First of all, really beyond getting that feedback from the program if possible, really take a critical look at your application and see where you can improve. If you have some strength areas, it can be easy to just want to keep working on those. You have a lot of shadowing, oh I'm going to keep shadowing, I'm going to increase that. You know, the things that you enjoy are always the easiest, right? But you really need to go back and work on the areas that are not strengths of yours that are weaknesses or potentially red flags to the program so that they know you're serious and you will work hard to improve. For a lot of people this ends up meaning getting more patient care experience or in my case getting better patient care experience. So I had been working as an x-ray tech slash medical assistant kind of hybrid in a, a neurosurgery clinic. I mostly took x-rays of the spine and interviewed patients did their histories and physicals. So anyway, that role didn't give me a lot of responsibility in terms of choosing and deciding things on my own. I ended up, I wasn't looking for it, but I ended up getting a job as an MA in internal medicine and pediatrics practice. And that gave me more autonomy, I think, and more responsibility because in that position, I was responsible for doing the injections and vaccinations, especially for uh, kids. We also had to do EKGs. We kind of had uh, patients come in and we had our own ability to know, okay, this is what the provider usually wants, or with this condition, this is what the provider needs to be able to see in order to make a diagnosis or a treatment plan. And so I think I had a lot more a lot more responsibility from that and I also for that position ended up having to get a MA certification. I think that was an improvement from the CNA cert that I had 
prior to that as well. Other areas you might need to improve on your application, of, like I did volunteering because they required, uh, they only looked at the volunteering experiences from the last couple of years. I really had to keep working on that. They only looked up to like 50 hours though. So I kept volunteering with Crisis Text Line, which allowed me to volunteer online. I highly recommend it if you are looking for something that you can do uh, from home and kind of flexibly. You're supposed to do four hours a week, by the way, for that, uh, for volunteering with Crisis Text Line, but a lot of times I only was able to do two and it was fine. I just wasn't, I didn't schedule myself. I just went on whenever I could. As far as being a reapplicant as well, especially if you are non-traditional, you wanna find ways to make your application stand out even more the second time around. But you are gonna stand out a little bit from being a reapplicant. I think a lot of, not all programs, but a lot of programs really like that to see that you have the tenacity and you're really serious about their program for whatever reason. Also, it's really great to really hone in on those areas that are gonna help you to stick out in the top of their minds. So whether it is you have a background in another career and now you're interested in medicine or whether you graduated with a different major, not a health sciences major, or if you have a grad degree in another area uh, that can be useful, that's always a great thing to be able to help you stand out. And then of course life experiences are huge. So I for example, for me, I think my application just stood out so much and I was told by the people interviewing me too that they really were looking forward to interviewing me because of how how different my application was and it looked. So I actually, after I, I graduated with a music major and then I ended up moving abroad to South Korea and teaching for five years. And I wouldn't say to anyone that you should just up and move abroad just for your PA application. I obviously had no idea I was going to be applying to PA schools at the time I did that, but I really think that those experiences that I accrued over time helped me be a, an applicant that would be more competitive and stand out more just, just for the, the different experiences I had. Even if you don't have time to move abroad or you can't study abroad, you might be able to do a short trip abroad, service trip of some sort, then you're kind of killing two birds with one stone as well. Uh, there's a lot of medical mission trips and, uh, you know, but it doesn't have to be medically related at all. Obviously I wasn't doing anything medical in Korea, I was teaching English, but that was seen as valuable life experience and uh, I think they're impressed when people go out of their comfort zone to try new things and to, to learn new things and be exposed to, to other cultures and other ways of doing things. I also think if you have kids, you can capitalize on that. I really didn't talk about that in my application too much, but with having children, I think we know what it's like to be responsible for a life or multiple lives and their their well-being. And so I think that's something you can carry over into uh, your desire to to help patients and to care for their lives and make sure that they're safe. I also would say if you have personal experiences that really stand out, you want to think on those and how you can bring those forward. It wasn't necessarily a huge aspect for me, but I am married to a man from Cameroon and in my interview I had the opportunity to, to bring that into play and my 
my concern for underserved patients since he's told me from his childhood not having access to medical providers. So being able to bring that around to why I want to be a PA as well so that that those kind of situations don't impact my patients and they always have access to care is, is huge. I think another area that you can work on uh, in reapplying and figuring out how to make yourself a better applicant is, uh, again, looking at your personal statement. Because even if you're not an amazing applicant, if your personal statement is amazing, they're going to have a hard time overlooking you. If you are a little lower with your GPA or in patient care experience or things like that, you can kind of help make up for those weaknesses by having a really strong personal statement. So for sure, there's always the those services that I mentioned for revision. I think it's great to just have people to read it over for you, um, even if you don't have to pay much money for it or at all. Um, but yeah, always take people's advice with a grain of salt and ultimately make sure that it sounds like your voice and it's your experience and uh, that your personality is coming through. Uh, also, if you were like me and you had an interview, um, but maybe the first time you your interview didn't go well, you might want to invest in mock interviews. You don't necessarily have to spend money on that if money is an issue, but practice, practice, practice is a huge, huge thing. Even if you think you're great at interviewing and you land every job that you ever interview for and things like that, it's a little bit different interviewing for PA schools because you want to be memorable, but you really also want to make a positive impression, uh, let them know you're going to be extremely professional and you're going to be successful in their program. So it's they're looking for a little bit different things than than a job interview. It's just some ideas as far as practicing, besides doing mock interviews and spending money. Uh, at home, you can stand in front of a mirror, watch yourself as you speak, kind of talk to, talk to yourself in the mirror and answer questions so you know what you look like and what you're doing while you're answering the questions. You can practice during your drives and commutes every day. You can practice with a pet, you can practice with family members, but even if you think, like I said, even if you think you're a great interviewee, I would still take time to really go over those things. And as I mentioned in the last episode, which was about interview days specifically, you can always purchase some books that will give you some advice and pointers and lots of practice mock questions for interviews. And all those things are really useful. You also might want to try to practice in some situations where you might be a little bit distracted or there's some things going on because you're going to be nervous the day of the interview. And so if you can still put together a cohesive, decent answer when things are a little bit crazy or hectic, I mean, even with driving, sometimes it, it really takes all of your mental capacity to try to focus on answering a question. I think that can be helpful uh, when you have the interview and hopefully there's there's less distractions um but you might be dealing with some nerves so that's something to consider another area that i've heard people not getting accepted on uh, despite having interviews and whatnot could be the strength of your evaluations so you want to revisit those 
And think about the people who wrote you evals, uh, who wrote your letters of recommendation that were submitted to CASPA. Are they people who were genuinely excited to write a recommendation letter for you? Did they know you well, well enough that they could talk? You know, write a write a full page of compliments and positive things about you, or did they only know you for a couple months? Uh, I think also you want to evaluate: did they have your best interests at heart, or would they stand to? I don't know. Not that they would, not that they would lose out by losing you, but would they? Are they the type of person who is pretty selfless and? And really wants the best for you. I guess that's the that's the most important thing too. So I've heard about people in the past who had someone that was their supervisor write them a letter of recommendation, uh, and in the end they found out that the individual who they were sure was going to give them the highest recommendation did not end up giving their highest recommendation. And that's a huge issue. That's gonna stop you from getting into PA school. It might stop you from even getting interviewed, getting to that point. So you wanna make sure these people are giving you your highest recommendation. And I I think it's just smart to ask them when you're asking for an interview, it sounds a little bit, sounds a little bit forward, but just ask them off the bat, like, would you be comfortable giving me your highest recommendation and writing me a very strong letter of recommendation, not you can't have someone write, uh, follow a template and just fill in your name and make it sound very generic. They have to really be able to share a lot of personal information about you. And yeah, so that's, that's also really important to reevaluate your letters of recommendation. Maybe you need to, maybe you need to open your toolbox and see if there's someone else who can recommend you or if you're in a job where you just don't feel comfortable with the people who could recommend you maybe you need to look for something different or um, spend more time shadowing with someone who you think could really write a great interview write a great recommendation I'm sorry if I kept saying interview I know for me for my letters of recommendation. My first time around for the school that I reapplied to, I had uh, four letters of recommendation. One was from a previous professor in my undergrad. One was from my work supervisor. One was from a PA who knew me, but I hadn't worked with her. And then I also had a a neurosurgeon, uh, MD, write me a letter of recommendation. And so I When I got the feedback from the program, I heard my letters of recommendation were all really great, but where I fell short was the fact that the PA had never worked with me. And so I couldn't get full credit for her recommendation because she hadn't observed me actually working with patients. And for this school in particular, they on their website had mentioned that strongest letters of recommendation included someone who knew you for at least a year or more, and who had worked with you in the clinic or in a medical setting. Also, it can be important to have a letter of recommendation from a physician assistant. You can get letters of recommendation from MDs, DOs, nurses, people you work with. That's all well and good, but I think that generally the strongest applicants will have at least one letter from a physician assistant. For me, I never actually worked alongside a physician assistant, so it was a little bit difficult to get 
uh, a letter of recommendation from a physician assistant who had worked with me in the clinic. So what I ended up doing the second time around I applied to the school was I kept my PA, who had, my mentor, who had written the letter of recommendation for me the first time around. But I also added in a new letter of recommendation from a nurse practitioner who worked with me in the internal medicine pediatrics office. And so that way I had satisfied all of the three letters of recommendation for people who had worked with me, but I also had the the PA element. Um, So anyway, those are some other important things to keep in mind so that your letters of recommendation don't rule you out or take you out of the running. My last point for now is just reassess why you want to go to that program or if you're just reapplying to a couple programs, what what about those programs um, really drew you in? Are you really a good fit? In my case, I do think that is true to some extent of the program that I applied to based on the way they evaluate applicants, that it favors younger applicants more. And I was able to overcome that, but you know what, it did take me two cycles. So I think, um, Part of it partially from my own mistakes that I made the first time around, but also because I just think that younger students are a little more um, fulfilling their, their missions and their goals for that program. So I think you really need to be honest with yourself and see if you're really going to be a great fit there. Um, if they if you go through their program mission and you go through the way you learn how they evaluate applicants and you just think like this is really going to hurt me then i wouldn't apply there there was another program that i considered applying to and i could see that they really made a big deal about how many science credits a, a student or applicant has taken and they gave additional i don't know points or additional weight to those applicants and I knew that was going to hurt me because I was not a traditional science major or health sciences major and so I never ended up applying there but I really considered it. In the end I think it would have been a waste of my money just because I could never have competed with students who took all these science courses, uh, me coming from a music major. That said, if you are super non-traditional there are always going to be programs that want you, there are programs that are Every program is wanting some diversity, and so you can find a program uh, that that will accept some non-traditional applicants. You just have to look for them and be smart about where you're applying. That is a lot of the battle to getting in as well. And if you get in at one school, then that's all you need. So that's all I wanted to share about today. Uh, I hope you guys are well. If you like this podcast, um, please subscribe, leave a review, let me know what you're interested in hearing about. And uh, you can always follow me on Instagram at the.nontraditional.pa underscore s since I'm going to be an incoming PA student in a few months. And yeah, I hope this was helpful. Have a great day, guys.